You love us. You love those of us who have sinned so greatly against you. You love us so much that you came up with a plan and you sent your son for us. Help us to learn more about your plan as we look into your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're doing a series here at Cornerstone. We're in week two of it. It's called The Story of the Bible. I'll put my title page up there so you can see. There we go. Uh, As you can see today, we're going to talk about Abraham. But um, overall, this sermon series that we're doing is designed to help us get to understand the Bible better. The Bible is 66 books, yet it is one book. It is one story. And part of the goal would be that you would be able to find your story within the story of the Bible. Last Sunday, we looked at the first three chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters. And we compared and contrasted them. And we saw that that God made a very good creation. He made a good place for humanity to live with him in the Garden of Eden. But that was messed up due to the sin of Adam and Eve. So as a result, Adam and Eve, and, and likewise we, were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And something happened to our fellowship with God. And I've, I've chosen this word carefully. Our, our fellowship with God was broken. Not obliterated, not completely gone forever, but damaged and broken. So that what happened outside of Eden was different than what happened inside of Eden. But that's not the end of the story, because we look at the last two chapters of the Bible where we see God creating again a new heavens and a new earth, a perfect place for us to live with God in restored fellowship. So the rest of the Bible, the the thick part of the Bible then, in between the first three and the last two chapters, tells us that story of how God is redeeming mankind and allowing us to live with him. Today we're just going to advance the story a few chapters. Genesis 3 was the fall of Adam and Eve, and we're going to look at Genesis 12 today. That's God's call to Abraham. But again, remember, in chapter 3, man was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Now I have a question for you. What if God just left us alone? What if God just said, after that whole Garden of Eden thing, what if he just said, you know what? I'm done with you guys. You guys just go out there. I'll be over here. Good luck with that. Now, some people would say, sweet, that's what I want. I want a life where I don't have a God telling me what I should or shouldn't do. And truth be told, that's the way that some people would like to think they can live their lives. But as we see all over the Bible, and as we have seen many, many times in our lives, it doesn't go well when we all just do what we want to do. Because sometimes what somebody else might want to do might get in the way of me and what I want to do. And then there's conflict. We ever see conflict in this world? And it goes the other way too. Sometimes what I do brings conflict to what other people want. So that's one problem, that things wouldn't go well if we all just went our own way. And then there's another huge problem. If after Adam and Eve and and the rest of us were not allowed back into the Garden of Eden, what about eternity? I think that every person knows, deep down within them, that we were created to live forever. Some people try to deny that. Some people have told themselves elsewise for so long that they start to believe it. But we know that we were created to live forever. And what does that do to us? If if God were just to have left us alone outside the Garden of Eden, where would that leave us? It would leave us lost forever. Left to ourselves, things would get worse and worse, and we would have no hope of eternal life. But we are not left to ourselves. 
And what we're going to see today as we look at the story of Abraham is that God advances the storyline. There was a lot of junk that happened in between Genesis 3 and Genesis 12, but God started something in Genesis 12 that gives us a glimpse into what the rest of the Bible has for us. In fact, I have often said that I think that Genesis 12 is the most important chapter in the Old Testament, probably along with chapter 15 as well, which we'll look at a little bit today. But it's so important because in it, I, I think that we see God's plan. We see God's call, we see promises given to man, and we see the response of faith. And in a nutshell, that's what our lives should be as we listen to God and respond in faith to what he has for us. Faith is our access to righteousness and to God himself. What was broken and damaged at the fall can be restored to us through faith in Jesus Christ. That's God's plan, and that's what he wants to show us, I believe, through this story of Abraham. So faith is super important. Now here's a question for you. I I think I put this one out on Facebook earlier this week. How would you define faith? Or how does the Bible define faith? It's interesting, if you're looking for a dictionary-type definition of faith, there's not a lot of them in the Bible. There, there's maybe one place that sometimes people go to in Hebrews 11.6 that tells us, or excuse me, Hebrews 11 that tells us that faith is the, the evidence of things unseen, the, the certainty of what we hope for. But that's about as close as you get to a dictionary definition. But it's not that the Bible has nothing to say about faith. Rather, what I think the Bible does, if we are to ask the Bible the question, what does faith look like, the Bible points us to a person, and oftentimes that person is Abraham. In fact, this is one of the reasons that I put this study together, this this overview of the Bible that we're doing. It came out of a project that I did in seminary, where I started to notice that in the New Testament, it talks about a lot of things that are really important, but does so in such a way that it includes the Old Testament in it. So today we're going to look at faith, which is super central to what we do as Christians. And the New Testament is going to point us back to Abraham and, see, and say, see, there was a man of faith. And we can learn what our faith should look like by looking at Abraham. So that's why I gave you the homework assignment last week to look up Abraham in the New Testament. If you did it, like I did, uh, you'll notice that there were a lot of verses, more than I thought there were, about Abraham in the New Testament. And for those of you that like to work ahead, you brown nosers out there, um, next week's homework assignment, I want you to look up the exodus from Egypt in the book of Psalms. Okay? So Pastor Josh next week is going to walk us through the, the exodus story from Exodus 12. It's such an important story that the worship leaders of Israel, the psalmists, wrote a bunch about it. So I want you to look up, you can get a concordance out and look up Egypt in the Psalms and just read those Psalms where they talk about Egypt and, and figure out what they're talking about. But let's get back to Abraham. Like I said, the New Testament talks a lot about his faith. He is the prime example in Hebrews 11, which we might call the Faith Hall of Fame. And Hebrews 11 picks out three great moments of faith from his life. And we're going we're gonna to look at the first one of them, which is in Genesis 12, where God called Abraham. <coughs> well, I'll just mention the other two. In Genesis 15... Uh, that's where God told Abraham that he would have a child, which may not, may not seem like a great thing of faith to believe that he would have a child, but by the time we met Abraham in chapter 11, we already learned that his wife was childless. And we'll learn later on that they were both getting well along in years. So it's quite a bit of faith for him to trust that. And then third, we have the moment of faith where... 
excuse me, we have the moment of faith in Genesis 22 where Abraham offered his son, the son that God promised to him, the son through whom Abraham would become a great nation. God asked him to sacrifice that son. And what does it say that Abraham did? Early the next morning, he went. By faith, he was about to sacrifice his son like God asked him to. In fact, he had bound his son up on the mountain and was about to slay him when finally God stopped him. It was a test of faith. And instead of sacrificing Isaac, God provided a ram. Which is amazing if you think of it that uh, God didn't even ask Abraham to kill his only son. Yet, yet God sent his only son for us. Okay. But let's look at Genesis 12. Um, you'll notice in this chapter that he's not called Abraham, he's called Abram. He doesn't get his name changed until, uh, excuse me, until chapter 17. So in the scripture that I read, he's going to be called Abram, but for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to call him Abraham today. Okay, so Genesis 12, 1 through 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. I'm going to break a preaching rule here. I'm going to blow my nose. It'll be better than hearing me sniffle the whole time. Then we'll just recycle that. Okay. <coughs> okay. Something really important happened in verse 1 here. God spoke to Abraham. Now this is something I highlighted last week and I just want to say it again. Our God is a speaking God. Right after he created Adam and Eve, he talked to them. He told them what he wanted them to do. Our God has spoken to us too. He's given us a thick book full of his words. He has not left us to ourselves. So here he spoke to Abraham, telling Abraham to leave his country, his people, and his father's household, and to go to a land, and notice this, to the land I will show you. Abraham didn't even know where he was supposed to go. And I kind of wonder what it looked like. So, you know, eventually Abraham goes. What did he do? Just kind of say, okay, God, I'll go. Uh, nope, this way? Okay, okay. Uh, and there, there's a lesson of faith here. Faith means trusting God above ourselves, even if we don't have all the answers. Is it enough for us just to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want, even if we don't know what it means? Let me use an illustration from raising kids. Uh, I've heard this from other parents, so, okay. Um, when a parent gives a command to a kid, sometimes the kid asks, why? Now, it's okay, we want our kids to be inquisitive, right? We want our kids to learn logic so that they can have good skills of reasoning. 
But sometimes, or every time, we want our kid to obey. And sometimes asking the question why is a form of disobedience. And it's important it's for our kids, it's for their safety. If we tell them, get out of the road, and they say, why? Well, because there's a bus coming, okay? That's a good reason. You should have gotten out and listened to me. So for Abraham here, he didn't even get the why yet. Although, as it does move on, God gives him a, a few reasons, but, but still there's this mystery of, of not knowing where he was to go yet. But then let's look at what God said in the next two verses. He gives, him, he gives seven blessings that he will produce in the life of Abraham. And we're going to walk through them one by one. The first one, I will make you into a great nation. So here's the promise that a childless man will become the father of many nations. So much offspring that he couldn't even count them. Now this was something that Abraham would have to take by faith because he couldn't do it on his own. And again, that's what faith is. It means trusting God to do what only he can do. Second blessing, I will bless you. Now we see this over and over in the life of Abraham. There were so many things that God did to take care of Abraham. And it's true for us as well that God will take care of us if we trust him. He will pour out his blessings. It might not be that mansion you were hoping for, but it will be so full of blessings if you walk by faith that you'll have a joy about you. Third one, I will make your name great. Now this one's interesting in chapter 12 because in chapter 11, verse 4, remember the Tower of Babel? The people there were building a city and they had planned to build a tower that would reach up to heaven. And they said specifically in verse 4 that they were looking to make a name for themselves. In contrast here, God told Abraham that, that God would make Abraham's name great. And, and later on we'll see Abraham's response that, uh, that, God, that, that Abraham worshipped God, looking to exalt God's name, not his own name. Fourth one, you will be a blessing. The blessings that are given by God are meant to be extended to others. And I just want you to think about that. For those of us who have been blessed by God, we should be looking at how we can extend those blessings to other people. We shouldn't be blessing hoarders. Our prayers shouldn't just be for us to receive blessing. May we be people who, who are a blessing to other people as well. And I pray that often for us, that we would be a blessing to those around us. Fifth one. I will bless those who bless you. Now this is one that we see repeatedly in the life of Abraham. Those, were kind, excuse me, those who were kind to Abraham were blessed. But the reverse is true as well, where God says, whoever curses you, I will curse. And we see that again and again in the life of Abraham. We, what we see in those last two blessings there, the, the blessing and the cursing, is God was watching out for his people. And that's what he still does today. And then number seven, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now in this one, we have to take a broad view of it because the blessings given to Abraham were so full that they were to extend to all peoples. Yet if we look at the rest of the life of Abraham, we see that geographically, he only lived in a little small segment of the globe. So how could we say that the blessings to Abraham would go to all people through him? Well, I think that there are two very good answers to that question. And you would have seen both of these if you would have done your homework assignment last week. Um, I asked you to read the New Testament where it talks about Abraham. Well, one of the things that the New Testament emphasizes about Abraham is that he had a descendant named Jesus. 
So all people on earth are blessed through Abraham in that they are blessed through Abraham's descendant, Jesus. Both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke go to great detail to tell us how specifically Jesus came as the great, 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 great grandson of Abraham. So that's one answer, that the world will be blessed through Abraham because of his offspring, Jesus Christ. If, if anyone puts their faith in Jesus, they will receive the blessing of salvation and eternal life. Okay, and then there's a second way as well that the blessings of Abraham will go to the whole world. And it has to do that we are to follow in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. Um, there's several places in the New Testament where it doesn't just mention Abraham like in one verse. It's like a long passage about him. One of those is Galatians 3, and I want to read you a section of that. Verses 6 through 9 says, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the, the nations, by faith, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. <coughs> so, those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So there's a universal rule here, not just for Jews, not just for God's chosen people in the Old Testament, but for all people, that if we have faith in God, the blessings of Abraham can come to us if we follow the footsteps of faith that Abraham had. But let's get back to Abraham, because so far what we've looked at in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we've just seen the call from God and the blessings from God. We haven't seen Abraham's response yet. So let's see what he did. Abraham had a choice. He could either go with God, or he could go on a path of his own choosing. Which, that's the Bible in a nutshell. That's the message for us, that God has a path for us, but there's another path that we would be tempted to go on. A path that we might choose a path that Satan, our enemy, would like for us to go on. And you can imagine that Abraham, by age 75, that's how old he was here in Genesis 12, you can imagine that he had a little bit of a life built up for himself, and when God asked him to leave it, there might have been some hesitation on his part. I think that would have been natural. So what will Abraham do? Well, in verse 4, we see one of the best, if not the best, examples of faith in the Bible. Genesis 12:4, just the first part of it says, so Abram left as the Lord had told him. God said go and Abraham went. God said go and Abraham went. It is so simple yet so profound. In fact, this has been my preferred way to teach my kids about faith. Uh, I desperately want my kids to be able to understand what faith is. And in order to do that with all four of them now, uh, even our, our three-year-old could say this to you. I don't know if he's here or if he's in the nursery or not, but uh, he could say it for you. God said, go, and Abraham went. And if you think about it, our faith doesn't have to be more profound than that. In fact, it's this little mustard seed of faith inside of us that says, I'll just go where God wants me to. What, what's your life about? At, at the foundation level, who are you? Are you somebody who goes God's way because you know that his way is best, because you know that he'll look out for you and will be with you? Or do you go your own way? God said go, and Abraham went. There's another way to look at it as well. Um, this one comes from the book of James. And by the way, it's a little plug for our evening worship service. Uh, Pastor Josh is walking us through the book of James and uh, doing a great job. 
And in the book of James, um, but yeah, so let me just say that actually, just stop here. You should come to the evening worship service. We're studying the Bible, we're worshiping. It's, it's different than it is here in the morning. Uh, it's a good time. So anyways, check it out. But what does James say about Abraham? Well, James makes the point that Abraham's actions and faith were working together. Um, sometimes we get this all too confused as we, we separate faith and actions. Um, but really they are intended to work together. In our faith, we're supposed to have actions. So James picks up on this point and says, you know that time when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son? He was showing his faith. So if you have faith, it should look like it. Or I, I like to think of that Genesis 12 moment where God said, go and Abraham went. It wasn't just that Abraham... Okay, picture it this way. God says, go. Abraham says, yeah, God, I believe you. What's wrong with this picture? Not going anywhere. God said go, and Abraham left as the Lord had told him. May our faith look like something. May it look like we believe in God. What would the people around you say? What, what evidence would they point to in your life to say, yeah, there's a person who has faith in God? I pray that it would just show so vividly on the outside what we believe about God on the inside. Okay, um, what I want to do now, uh, just a couple of Two more quick points in chapter 12 and then one quick point in chapter 15 before I wrap us up. Okay, um, the promises that were given to Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, some of them took a long time to fulfill. Like I said, Abraham was 75 when he got this call. It wasn't until 25 years later that he finally had his son Isaac and Isaac waited until 40 to get married. So um, some of you who've waited a long time for grandkids, well, Abraham waited longer. And he even had to wait 65 years at least from the time the promise was given to him until it, he started to see grandkids, even though God had promised it. And, and I think that Abraham messed up sometimes along the way, but what Abraham kept, kept coming back to was the promises of God. So I don't think that we should look at Abraham as the, the perfect model of faith. That would be only Jesus Christ could be the perfect model of faith. What I think we should do is look at those times when Abraham trusted in God and say, yes, that's what I should do. And if Abraham were here, maybe he'd even be the first to tell us how he messed up and would say, don't follow that. Follow those other times when I had faith. And then one other thing from chapter 12. Abraham worshipped God. Now, like I said, uh, one of the promises given to Abraham was that God would make Abraham's name great. Now, can you imagine if God gave that promise to you? I imagine that some of us would be like, sweet, God's going to make my name great. Okay, I'll just help him out a little bit by talking really well about myself or by putting myself in the spotlight. Okay, God, is that helping you make my name great? That's not what Abraham did. Twice. We see this in verse 7 as well as in verse 8. Abraham built an altar there. Abraham built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Abraham's response to all these wonderful promises that God gave to him was to worship God. May we be people who make God's name great. And whatever he wants to do with our name, that's fine. But let's be people who make God's name great. So just a question here for application. Whose name are you looking to make great? Yours or God's? By your actions, what would you say? Just look at what you did last week. Did you do those things for you or for God? Was the intended result of them that you would look good or that God would look good? And again, this is just that, that seed of faith in our hearts that our 
are we living for us or for God? When God said to Abraham, go and leave, Abraham could have come up with other reasons. He could have thought about, well, here's what I'm building, God, for myself. Instead, Abraham went, trusting God, whatever God had for him. Okay, and then like I said, I want to pick out one thing from chapter 15. And I want to read verses 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So in this section, God speaks to Abraham again, promising to be a shield and a reward to him. But Abraham responds with a question, and his question came from what he had already learned back in chapter 12, that God would make him into a great nation. And Abraham just kind of raises his hand and says, Hey God, um... I still don't have a kid. How's this going to happen? And God wasn't mad at the question. He gave Abraham an answer. And he told Abraham that he would have a son. And that through that son, he would have offspring similar to the number of the stars in the sky. God still intended to fulfill that promise. And then verse 6 is crucial. I want to reread it, or just underline it here for you as well. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. If you were to ask the New Testament what the most important verse is in the Old Testament, the New Testament might say this verse. The way that the New Testament speaks about this verse, the way that the New Testament speaks about the centrality of faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, the New Testament does it by looking back at this verse oftentimes and saying, here's how it works for Abram. He believed in God, and that was his righteousness. This verse reminds us of our righteousness problem. On our own, we don't have righteousness. I like how Billy Graham said it. He said, I have to have righteousness to get into heaven, and I don't have any. We all have sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. But when Abraham believed in God, God credited him with righteousness. God treated Abraham as if he had righteousness because of how he believed in God. And we can get in on this deal too if we follow in the footsteps of Abraham. We can have righteousness credited to our account. Romans 3.22 says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So that righteousness that was credited to Abraham can be credited to us if we have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is our access to God, to salvation, and to eternal life. What was lost in the Garden of Eden can be restored in us if we have faith in Jesus Christ. So do you see the storyline of the Bible advancing? Again, we had Garden of Eden, very good. We had sin, very bad, damaged, broken fellowship with God. But God did not leave us there. He began in Genesis 12 to draw a people to himself. 
That's what the Bible is about. God saw us wallowing in our sin and would not leave us there. Instead, He offered life to us. But that life comes to us only if we have faith. Faith, now, as we know in the New Testament, faith in Jesus Christ. Because that righteousness that was credited to Abraham was the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't know all of that, but it's the same way that through the offspring of Abraham, we are blessed. Through Jesus Christ, we are blessed if we have faith, if we follow in the footsteps of the faith of Abraham. So God gave those promises. The whole world will be blessed. God intends to keep those promises. Now in light of Abraham, let's just conclude here by looking what that faith should look like in our lives. So I have three points today of what this faith should look like in us. Number one, we must put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. And this again has to do with our righteousness problem, the fact that we don't have any on our own. It has to do with Romans 3.22 that tells us that this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Left to ourselves, we would be dead in sin. We'd be kicked out of the Garden of Eden with no hope of ever having fellowship with God again. But in Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, we can be brought back to God. And for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, we can be restored. So I just have to ask you, have you put your faith in Jesus? The story of the Bible points us to this, that we were lost and dead in sin and we needed to be rescued. We didn't have a righteousness of our own. We need that righteousness credited to us and that comes as we put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. His death covering our sin. But then there's a second thing that our faith should look like. We must put our faith in Jesus as our Lord. Now what I mean by this is what I've kind of said already, that faith shouldn't just be something that happens in our brains or even in our mouths. It, it should have some feet to it. When God said, go, Abraham went, and his, his feet showed his faith. So I've said it here that we must put our faith in Jesus as our Lord. For him to be our Lord means that he is our what? Our master. Thank you. Again, one of the most important things I could tell you, that if Jesus is Lord, then he's our master, that he is the one who is in control, and we are his servants. A servant works for the desires of his master. A good servant doesn't get caught up in doing the things that he wants to do. He doesn't get his instructions from his master and say, oh, but here's the other things I had planned. I think I'll go and do those instead. A servant works for the desires of his master. And we have a master, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the rest of our lives should be taken up by doing the things that he wants us to do. So if we have faith in Jesus, that's what it should look like. It should look like us serving him. Getting to know him better. Doing the things that he wants us to do. For Abraham, that meant leaving his home. For us, who knows what it will mean? I remember that that crisis of faith that I had when I first understood the gospel message and I thought to myself, what if God makes me go to Africa as a missionary? Well, what if? What if God makes you do whatever? Does it matter? Would you pick your own path instead? If God's path is this way and you have other ideas, and by the way, that often, God's path often conflicts with ours. But does it matter? Will you choose your own path because it's, that path looks a little difficult? Faith means trusting God above ourselves. And faith means trusting that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Master, and we go where He wants us. We don't live our lives for ourselves. 
We live for God. Will we obey God, whatever He has for us? Will, will we go wherever He leads? In Genesis 22, that's the story of Abraham and Isaac, we're told that blessings come from God through obedience. So faith doesn't just mean believing in our heads that Jesus is our Savior. It also means walking with Him as our Lord, going where He leads us. And then finally, we should trust in God's promises. I made the point earlier that some of those promises given to Abraham took a long time to fulfill. And it can be like that for us as well. God has wonderful promises, the best of which is that we get to spend eternity with Him. But we're not there yet. So we wait by faith. And like I said, I think Abraham kind of messed up along the way sometimes, but he got back to the promises of God and trusted in Him. If we ever mess up, may we get back to the promises of God and trust that He will fulfill His good promises to us. And that even along the way, we can do our life with Him. That even along the way, we can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit if we ask Him. And if we keep in step with the Holy Spirit, He will fill us with love and joy and peace and your life will overflow with the blessings from God it can be easy for us to take our eyes off of God and to forget his goodness or his promises to us it can be easy for us to want to choose our own path instead of the path that God has especially if God asks us to leave or to go or to be nice to that person who's not nice to you In the Garden of Eden, due to sin, fellowship with God was broken. But now through faith, our access to God is restored. And we can have salvation and eternal life. Let's walk by faith. And let's keep walking by faith. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you did not leave us alone. We thank you that you drew a people to yourself. That you asked Abraham to go and he went and that that stands as a model of faith for us now. May we believe in you the way Abraham did, in which it says that righteousness was credited to him. May we believe in Jesus Christ. <coughs> May we know that our only hope of salvation is to be covered by the blood of Jesus, to be forgiven and set free. God, would you fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might live lives of faith, that we might keep walking with you wherever you have us. God, we're sorry for those times where we've chosen our way instead of your way. Please forgive us. Please help us to walk with you on the path that you have for us. We love you, God. We want to go with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.